0: Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast. My name's Ali Maxwell and alongside me is George Ellick. And if I'm honest, we've got our flip-flops on, we've got our sun cream in our bag and we are really excited for a bit of a summer holiday. I am off tomorrow, Friday, to America. George has got a couple of trips planned over the next few weeks and months as well. But what we want to say is... There's no end to pod content. Over the next few weeks, we've got two lots of NTT20 meets for you. Really exciting uh, guests on those, and both of them split into two parts. Such was the length of discussion with these two uh, managers, currently out of work, but probably not for very long. So make sure you stay tuned, stay locked. Uh, But there is a bit of time off coming. Before we go, we could not leave without tying up one thing from this season. Back in April, the EFL Awards happened, and they announced the teams of the season. And this is the sort of thing that gets a lot of people talking. Everyone's got their opinions, and so do we. Well, we thought it's only fair to wait till the end of the season before we put together our team of the season. And this is this podcast. George is going to reveal, for each division, our official not the top 20 podcast, team of the year for each league. And I'm going to offer an alternative team for each division. That is a team made up of players outside of the playoff and automatic places. So for the Championship and League One, that's outside the top six. For League Two, that's outside the top seven. I think given how closely we cover the leagues, we felt quite strongly that although the official teams should and will include players who play for the top teams who achieve the most this season as a team. There are plenty of players that we wanted to shout out as well, and so that's why we're going to try and cover a few bases. Maybe in the future we could do some sort of young player of the season or young team of the season that is in the pipeline. So, George, let's get straight into it, and let's start at the championship, where you have produced a team of the season that cannot be disputed.
1: Ratified by yourself. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah exactly and it's worth pointing out as well that there are players in these teams who who did fit who paid for clubs who didn't finish in the top six or seven as well i mean, in case they mm. were um extraordinary talents or, or we really felt like their performances deserved it um so should i rattle through it in one or are we going to go through or do we stop and talk about it
0: let me run you through it george who's your goalkeeper for the championship team of the season by NTT 20 pod.
1: My goalkeeper is Manchester United's Dean Henderson.
0: <laughs> um, right. So instantly we're not leaving out loanies.
1: We are not leaving out Loneys, no no, because they played in the league. They
0: merit selection just as much as anyone else.
1: Um, I just, I, I think he's someone who uh, is destined for, for very big things. I think he was so important to uh, Sheffield United's promotion this season. Uh, the competition... I would say, wasn't very fierce. Um, I know that you are a particular (laughs) fan of a goalkeeper at Middlesbrough, but I think if if we look at the achievements of both teams and what they managed this season, um, I think Henderson put in, uh, and also just their progression through the season as well, I think Henderson's matured over that uh, campaign into what I'm sure will be um, a Premier League Keeper next season. He's
0: a very impressive character as well for a young player. He is the so- sort of person that winds up opposition fans, and you sometimes wonder whether that's a good idea uh, for a young goalkeeper. But he seems to take everything in his stride. There's certainly one uh, or two notable mistakes this season in big games against Leeds and another against Aston Villa. Um, but overall, his performance is very, very strong. And that character that he showed, so popular at Shrewsbury last season, even more popular, arguably, with Blades this season. And I think we both hope that he goes back there on loan, probably not permanently, but at least on loan, uh, to play for Sheffield United in the Premier League. Uh, is it a back four that we're going with here?
1: Yes, yeah, a four-two-three-one. Nice. And I should say, one of my pet peeves, um, <laughs> before going to Garth Cricks on you, is when these teams are just like basically a 2-8 and it's just a couple of defenders and then just let's shove all of the people who score goals and and get assists into the same team. I'm putting out teams, we are putting out teams that we feel if we sent them out, they would be better than whoever won the league. I reckon that's got to be, that's got to be, if we start this team out, I mean, obviously there are a couple of Norwich players in there, but if we put this team out in FIFA, let's say, where you can get players playing against themselves. Yeah. I feel like we'd be stronger.
0: At the same time, we do feel quite strongly about that. I mean, I'm already making a small excuse for one of my alternative teams okay. this season. But, like, there are times where you just, there are, there are players in certain positions that you have to get in. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. I'll, I'll justify so, that later on. I'll justify yeah, that later we on. need to,
1: because we've got a lot of players to go through. If we go yeah. at this rate, we're going to be here till tomorrow morning and you've got a flight to catch. So, um, left back, Ender Stevens. Uh, Another Sheffield United player. Please don't turn off if you're a Wednesday fan. I promise it does get better for you um, fairly shortly. Um, Obviously, didn't play in the back four at Sheffield United um, and had more uh, more of an attacking remit. But we've seen in the past, he's very capable at left back and he's a very good player indeed. Um, The centre backs, um, Webster from Bristol City, he's one of the players who comes in um, despite not being in that top clutch of clubs. But they had a fantastic season and I'm pretty sure without him um, they wouldn't have been anywhere near the playoffs. Uh, Really, really impressive this campaign. And, and a Premier League centre back in the making, unquestionably. Uh, Liam Cooper was his partner. I think what happened in the second half of the playoff semi final means that his, despite what was, was a fantastic season, um, when individual errors pretty much cost you promotion, um, I, I don't think you can really be in, in a team of the season. And this is why we've waited till now to do it, mm-hmm. unlike uh, some others out there. So um, Jack O'Connell replaces him, another Sheffield United player, I'm afraid. But uh, I Jesus. think anyone who's, uh, who's seen him this season um, will uh, test, you know, testify that he's been fantastic. And I guess with the Norwich defence, the change of personnel throughout the season made, made it quite difficult to pick any of their centre-backs ahead of him as well. Um, but no question about who is right back. Um, and that is Mac- Max Aaron's. Also, they
0: did concede 16 goals more, more than Sheffield United, yeah, Norwich. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, Max Aaron's at right back. What a season. Uh, what a player. Uh, an unbelievable young talent who's uh, who's still a teenager and um, looks at the moment like he might still be at Norwich next season. But I'm pretty sure that fairly soon he'll be featuring in podcasts with much bigger Audience than our own um, when they're covering the big six in the Premier League rather than uh, the bottom 72. Um, What a such a joy to watch as well. Um, Defensively, very sound and going forward, so dangerous and and very tidy in possession. So that's your back five. We're the, the one we are like
0: a good friends, b essentially colleagues or partners, however you want to describe partners. it, and see in many things very similar people. We have uh, very similar hobbies, uh, things that we enjoy doing, things that we like and dislike. But I honestly think the one key difference between us is that you start on the left when you go through a team, <laughs> and I start on the right. And I'm finding it quite difficult, but I'm going to have to get over it. You started with your left back there, Stevens. I I'll think be. it's
1: because we – I mean, I am –
0: there was a switch, wasn't there? In, the, in, in, in our youth, it yeah. was definitely left first. Well, that's
1: because in, in Championship Manager, you started on the left. And now you definitely now start, you start on, on the right. right. But, you know, whilst I played the football managers out there, the originals are the best. And, and that's where I form, formulated my... This is how I put a team down. Mm. So like it, or lump it.
0: My Morecambe team currently doing very well, if yes. you're interested. I yep. am interested. In League One.
1: Probably still favourites to go down next season, I would though, have thought. I'll be playing on the flight um, to America tomorrow. But they... Uh, And also on the like it or lump it theme, we are obviously um, expecting people to get in touch and tell us where they think we've gone wrong. If you're going to tell us that we're idiots and just ping us loads of names of players for teams who came 13th, just don't bother because we don't care.
0: Well, also (laughs) as the social media manager of the podcast who is essentially deleting the Twitter app for the next two weeks, there's very much going to be shouting into the void anyway. Yeah, okay. Um, But no, do, do let us know what you think. Obviously we welcome all and any engagement. George, uh, four, two, three, one. So we need a, a, as they say in Germany, a Doppelzex, a yeah. double six, the um, pivot.
1: Yeah, obviously Jack Grealish is in there. Nice. Um You know, John McGinn made a pretty good case for himself in in, in the playoffs, where, where Grealish was disappointing. But um, over the course of the season, uh, and given what he did um, after returning from that shin injury, to to take basically to, to between him and Nings to to be at the forefront of what was a a, a run that's going to change. The path of Aston Villa going forward, um, a transformative run of wins uh, was so important. And just in terms of talent and what he's got at his disposal, it would be impossible to leave him out of this team.
0: He's not far away from the arbitrary minutes limit that one would normally set for a team of the season. But, yeah. you know, having missed a, a large part of the first half of the season. But he pure, had to be in there. and pure, it's pro- pure it's, impact. Yeah. It's one of the last times we'll ever talk about him, of course, which, is, uh, which has been commented on a few times. I would be
1: amazed if I ever say his name again. <laughs> On this podcast, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> on this podcast, um, right? Who's next to if him? If you want in to keep up to date with JG, just follow me at George Ellick, Elek E L E K, and we'll get loads of stuff on there, gifts galore <laughs> over the summer uh, and during next year's European Championships. <laughs> um, Ollie Norwood alongside him. I just love the idea of these two keeping the ball in, d- in deep areas and just there. <laughs> just ball retention would be absolutely superb. Uh, Norwood, one of the signings of the season. Uh, you can't really say um, anything more about him really possibly the, the most important outfield player uh, for Sheffield United this season um, again without him it's it's hard to see how they could have uh, played the way they play his passing ability is so good his ability uh, to retain possession and, and win the ball back as well um, of his three promotion seasons I think this is quite clearly the one where his individual performances have been have been at the highest standard um, it's, he... it's
0: another one in midfield isn't it a bit like you're sort of almost apologizing to the Norwich fans. They, had, they won the league. They did so well. Um, it, it, the change of personnel at the back, you mentioned. The switching of personnel in their midfield as well, and, and especially their two in their 4 2 three, one, uh, is very, very notable here. They basically had five players who played in those in those positions, Tribal, Leitner, Vrancic, McLean and Tete earlier in the season. And none of them basically played more than about 2,000, 2,300 minutes, which is you know, that's about sixty percent of the minutes. So they they chopped and changed so much. They all had an impact, but possibly for us not enough to be in, in a team of the season. Yeah. Um the three behind the one, this is th- these are probably the, the, the coolest positions in football these this days, is, aren't they? This is this is where you want to be
1: this is an outrageous uh, front four <laughs> and I'm almost I almost want to change the order I'm going to read them out in so that Norwich fans don't turn off because I'm now feeling a bit a bit naked um, but we know that you start from the left so you're going to start, start from the, on left. the left and Saeed Benrahma um, has to be uh, the, the best player I would say this year the best attacking player outside um, the the top two or three clubs unbelievable his impact at, at Brentford um, 14 assists and 10 goals from the wing Grew into, um, he, I think early on in the season, at Brentford he caught the eye, and then the the goals and the assists and the, out, the attacking output came later on in the season. And he's someone who seems to just be playing football at completely completely the wrong level. Uh, just 29 starts um, for those for those numbers as well really is something. He's s- quick and he's powerful and he's skillful and he's just a really good footballer. Um, and I'd find it impossible not to uh, not to have him in this. Uh, in this team, um, but yeah, as I say, he is the one who uh, is, is playing for a team who, who didn't... I mean, they finished 12th, I think, in the end, didn't they? Mm. Um, so he's on the left. On the right... 11th. 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 Yeah. Did them a disservice. Um, <laughs> on the right is, is Pablo, um, uh, who is f- yeah, just so important to Leeds. Uh, I think behind Grealish, he's a player who I, w- I would have as the most talented player in the league. Possibly the best attacking player in the league as well. Um, someone who is fantastic to watch um, and I think that is playing off that right-hand side obviously doesn't have bags of pace but his movement and his uh, creative ability and his passing ability is just so good um, and whilst we lose one um, player in Grealish from, from the podcasts, just fingers crossed we get to talk about Pablo again next season because under Bielsa uh, he really did move to another level this campaign than, than to previously when he was already one of the best players in the league. Norwich fans, finally, hey, here we go. Uh, yeah, Emi Buendia, um as as that attacking midfielder behind the striker. The Championship Messi, the Championship as messy. we've been
0: calling him all
1: year. Um, <laughs> just yeah, what a uh, what a player. I mean, what a pleasure to watch this season, see him mature and just an incredible bit of business by Norwich. Um, has the flair and the dribbling ability to match anyone. Um, has that bit of feistiness about him as well, which we all like. And, and his creative input was just off the charts uh, for Norwich, um, playing behind Timo Puki, who is, of course, the striker in this team as well. Impossible to leave him out, even if I'm not convinced he is going to be the man to lead the line um, with success in the Premier League. You have to think that top scorer in the league this season for the team that tops the league uh, without his goals um, and scored some unbelievably good... well. Just, just some fantastic goals, really. Some goals that you wouldn't necessarily see from a lot of strikers in the league, finishing from acute angles, finding different ways to score within the box. Um, so the Buendia Puki forward axis had to be in there. Buendia
0: that's... assisted Puki four times this season, which sounds quite low, actually. That the highest combination was a Benrama assist and a Mopai goal. There's six times that happened. The next two combinations, both Birmingham combinations, hotter to Djukovic five times and Djukovic to Adams five times. And then there's a load of combos on four of which Buendia to Puki uh, is one of them. But and Buendia and Pablo, look, I-, I love Ben Rama as well. He would have been in my team, my alternative team, but I'm trying not to pick the same players, really. Um, he is so exciting on the ball. And yeah. uh, Greville Waterman and David Anderson... Fantastic Bees fans uh, wrote a, a great piece on Brentford that I read earlier today and they mentioned that, you know, given that Brentford are, are probably the best they've ever been in their history or certainly right up there in terms of teams that they've seen at Griffin Park, Ben Rama as their, you know, their most skillful player, their most attacking player, oh, sorry, their most talented player that isn't Mopai, certainly, um, there's a case they think for him to basically be the most exciting player they've actually seen in terms of what he can do with the ball at his feet. Uh, and Pablo and Buendir, what, what sort of stands out for me compared to the level that we're at here, second-tier level, is just their vision and their, their how well they see the game. You often talk about more deep-lying midfielders having great vision, being able to, to pick a, a long-through ball or a, or a switch of play and, and execute that well. It's a completely different game in the final third. Um, when there's more bodies, especially playing for a good team, when defenders against you are defending very, very deep, the vision that Buendia and Pablo have and the execution that they um, that they show uh, just makes them stand out massively to me. So, I like that. Uh, and Puki up front, was it? Couldn't really go for anyone else, could you?
1: No. No. I mean, it would be absolutely absurd <laughs> to, to pick anyone else up top, even though there were a clutch of strikers. Um, I think the Puki if you're going to play that formation, I think it would, it would be impossible to leave out any of those three in behind the striker and therefore you've got to play one up top. Mm.
0: Can't argue with that. Uh, here's my championship alternative team in the season. This is from teams outside of the playoffs, just trying to shine a light on those who had excellent individual seasons uh, and maybe not achieving the same team success as some of the players in, in your teams. Uh, it is Darren Randolph in goal uh, and I make... No bones about it. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the division. Um, Middlesbrough conceded 41 goals in in 46 games. Um, I think Sheffield United and Henderson conceded the same. Um, He made one relatively high-profile mistake, round off against Aston Villa live on Sky. Uh, And there are a few people for whom that really stuck in the mind. I I would suggest that no goalkeeper at this level uh, goes a whole 46-game season without letting at least one in that you think that's a bit of a clanger, and that's why they are not at the very top of the game. But I do think Randolph could be a Premier League goalkeeper. He's incredibly agile, um, and his shot-stopping it just stands out to me so much. So Randolph is my goalkeeper. Uh, I'm playing four four two, which is unusual for me. Not, not really a favourite formation of mine, but just in terms of the players that I wanted to get involved. Uh, Rhys James of Wigan is the right-back. I think... Th- I th- I don't think there's a player that gets mentioned more in our Sunday scouting reports than Rhys James this season. Um, Maybe partly because he played for Wigan, a team uh, towards the bottom half of the table. Uh, The sort of team that opposition fans would think, well, we're going to be better than this team. Uh, We'll probably beat them. To see someone like James, who grew into the season to such an amazing extent, it, it took the breath away of many opposition fans, and uh, we were privileged to, to, to sort of get that insight all season. And, and uh, you know, once we once it was flagged up to us, it was just so obvious how good this guy was. I think there's a case for it being the best loan I can remember uh, at Championship level in terms of all three parties just doing so well out of it. Chelsea have a player who, if they do have a transfer ban this summer, you'd be so confident being a, a, a perfectly good backup right back. And someone who you wouldn't be surprised to see playing first team football for chelsea in a year uh, if he got a chance uh, for wigan they had a player who had such an impact that it, it might have been the difference between them staying up and going down uh, a player that was so good at right back that the manager put him in central midfield because he was just head and shoulders above the rest uh, never played senior football football before and for james it, it's uh it's it's evidence that he is an exceptional young footballer and having played only for Chelsea youth teams previously um you're never sure are you what the step up is going to be like and he must have so much confidence now heading into the summer Uh, Adam Webster was going to be in my team but you picked him so I'm actually going to pick Callas instead I think outside the top six there's not a load of standout centre-backs it it would have been Webster so impressive I'm going with who's also a Chelsea loanee, unfortunately, uh, for Bristol City. They had a really good defence this season, Bristol City, and both of them complemented each other really well, and they can both do a a bit of everything. Good ball winners, but also comfortable in possession. Uh, Danny Bart would have been an option here, but he only played half the season, I think just 17 league appearances. The other centre-back is difficult, Michael Hector had a great year on loan from Chelsea at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Dara Lenehan of Blackburn I really like. But I'm actually going to pick Mike van der Horn, uh, at Swansea. And this is a sort of recognition, I guess, of not just the pure defending side of the game. Van der Horn's passing statistics are like nothing you've ever seen at this level before for a centre-back, basically. Uh, and it's not just sideways passing either. In Graham Potter's system, he was so important when it came to um, breaking the lines, playing progressive passes, and, and finding teammates in space and in good positions. So I think van der Horn, look, he's a, he's a player with good pedigree, and um, I'd be thrilled to see him playing the Championship next season, but there should be plenty of teams across Europe who, who have flagged him up as a good option, possession-based teams who who, who like to put the onus on passing out from the back. My left-back is Andy yeardom of Reading, um, capable of playing right-back or left-back, and that's part of the reason I like him. He, he's so dependable, so reliable, so versatile. Um, yeardoms just... He, well, he's another good example, a bit like Hurahan, who I mentioned on the weekend. Of, um, he's worked his way up the leagues. He was with Barnett in League 2, I remember, a couple of years ago, then Barnsley in League 1, another player who Barnsley signed from from a lower league that's now... Comfortably at a higher level. Um, a free transfer for Reading this summer. Reading have not got the best transfer record over the last few years, but this is one that they did get right. So Yeardom is my left back. So Randolph in goal. James, uh, Callas, uh, van der Horn and Yeardom at the back. My midfield, George, Jared Bowen, right mid. 22 goals from right wing. I don't think you can really argue with that. Um, with Rhys James behind him, I'm not too worried about defensive responsibilities, and I can't, I can't remember a wide player with such an eye for goal at this level, since we've been doing the podcast anyway, um, his finishing from, from cutting in from the right is fantastic he hits the ball so hard um, <laughs> hits it very low, which I think is quite a, quite a good skill you often see him finding the bottom corner with serious accuracy 22 goals is just too good, um, and again uh, I, I said to you at Wembley on Monday, I said this Villa team with Bowen off the right would be sensational and I wouldn't be surprised to see them go in from this summer I've got Will Volks and Alan Brown in central midfield there's quite a lot of options here I wanted to give Volks a shout out because playing for a team who really was in a battle every game uh, and and in terms of quality maybe inferior each game I felt I felt like his intensity his quality on both sides of the ball with it and without it Helped Rotherham uh, put up such a fist to their relegation fight. And I love his long throw as well. Uh, scored some spectacular goals. Alan Brown. I mean, I could have picked Ben Pearson here. I sort of juggled between them. But I was looking at how many games Pearson missed through suspension. It's like eight or nine games. Uh, and I'm not having that in my team. So Brown, who is such a good midfield player. Uh, another player who has an eye for goal. But also just very reliable, very dependable. Left mid, Joe Lolly. 11 goals and 11 assists. The old double-double there. Uh, and the word I always think of when I think of him is slalom, uh, his dribbling style. He, he moves at such speed but keeps the ball under control. Uh, and he's really been the bright spot for, for Nottingham Forest this season. So exciting to watch. Up front, it can only be Che Adams, uh, 22 goals and five assists. And Neil Mopai, 25 goals and eight assists. Um, you know, f- f- to have that output for teams who were uh, outside of the playoff places is absolutely sensational, and we were blessed with some very good goal scorers this season. I think there's nine or ten players who scored more than 20 goals, and that's very unusual. So we're, we're very blessed to have that. Adams and Mopai. I think we both would like to see at a higher level at some point. Uh, Mopai definitely... In fact, both of them often miss chances that, that you wonder whether they could maybe be a bit clinical with, but they both create chances for themselves off the dribble, and I think that's a, a, a very valuable skill. So um, both of them... Um, a nightmare for defenders and, and, you know, definitely players that wind people up, which is what I want in my team. So there's our championship teams of the season, the official one and the alternative one. Run me through your League One official team of the season sponsored by NTT 20 <laughs>
1: Uh Yeah, John McLaughlin in, in goal, um, obviously. Uh, it's funny seeing a lot of... Um, Sunderland fans saying that Jaws were their downfall well, I, was, I would argue that John McLaughlin got them some very very crucial points in those draws to make sure that they kept up the pace with the top lot and, and ended up in the playoffs um, just a magnificent goalkeeper who uh, is probably one of the signings of the season mm. um, in hindsight um, someone who hadn't necessarily pulled up too many trees before um, a really shrewd bit of business there um, and going to be crucial to them next season uh, left back is the right footed James Justin <laughs> um, who for Luton, I mean, Luton's fullbacks, I may as well say it now, Justin is, is a left back and, and Jack Stacy is a right back. Uh, just, Justin only plays left back because Stacey is just so good at right back that they had to get them in there some, somehow. And, and, you know, the attacking overlap, overlapping fullbacks, such an important part of how, of how Luton played last season and their dominance over teams. Two incredibly good athletes and, and good footballers destined for, for higher things. Would um, you say
0: James Justin is. Our favourite player that we met this season.
1: Lovely bloke. If, he, if James, if you're listening and you, and you fancy a beer um, sometime in, in June or July, Ali and I are here for you uh, before you, you move to uh, wherever you're going to go, because you know links to Aston Villa, links to Leicester, which would be a very Stoke move. definitely. Stoke as well. Um, it seems like Luton are, are looking to cash in on Justin and try and keep Stacey. Um, Stacey a little bit older. Um, Stacey won all the awards for Luton as well, so there'll be some their fans and players who think that currently he's the better player. Although I have no doubt that Justin is probably the better prospect going forward. Um, But yeah, two guys who, two young guys who against the odds led their team uh, to back to back promotions um, this season. So it'd be impossible not to include them both.
0: Who is in between them? Who are your two centre backs?
1: Ethan Pinnock, of course, um, a huge season for Barnsley, their player of the season. As well, um, I think surprised quite a few people by just how good he's been. Um, very, very comfortable bringing the ball out in possession. Uh, also, just very good at the defensive side of things, which can also be said about his partner Matt Clark of Portsmouth. Now, I, you know that I am a bit of a sucker for a left-footed centre-back. Um, so much
0: so that you've gone with
1: two, two of them, which is quite annoying. Because Awkward. the reason, the reason I like, yeah, I, I don't think this goes against my um, what I've said in the past about. Uh, putting out a team that would that would perform well. Because I think having two left left-footed centre-backs would be quite awkward.
0: But You can be confident, though, because, of course, Pinnock and Liam Lindsay, his Barnsley partner, both left-footed. Exactly. And Pinnock's been playing on the right side. So, Ethan, so we can be confident Ethan that he's comfortable. Knows.
1: Exactly. So this is one of those where we, it's like having a right-footed centre-back who who prefers playing on the left. <laughs> um, yeah, Clark is, is another one who, uh, very, very strong in the air, Um, A a good defender, but also just so comfortable bringing the ball out from the back and a very good footballer. Um, I feel like with Justin, Pinnock, Clark and Stacey, the the technical ability of those four players um, is is quite something. And and they're no slouches defensively either. Um, So I'll be looking to to play a pretty possession-based game um, of uh, quite expansive football playing out from the back, um, which would suit my, my midfield too. If you told me a year ago that Alex Mowat would get into my um, League One team of the season, (laughs) I probably would have assumed that he'd gone to Oxford and we had a great one. But instead, he stayed put at Barnsley and just became a a really important part of of, of what was built there. Um, He has matured into, I, I wouldn't have thought he'd be able to play the role he has played this season where he's pretty much the metronome and the... The, the, the player that made Barnsley tick in the middle of the park, playing a little bit deeper than, than how he saw um, at Oxford and at Leeds previously and when he did play at Barnsley beforehand. Um, a, a fantastic partner, full of running as well, um, which is something he definitely added to his game. He always liked to tackle previously, but it's the work rate that's really come in this season. that has been so impressive, given the high-intensity style of football that, that, that Barnsley play. Um, and alongside him, another player who's just full of running, <laughs> um, in in Whiteman from Doncaster, um, a guy who's probably slightly goes under the radar there, I Definitely. would say, um, but incredibly important um, what he does what he does for them. I think John Marquis is probably the player that people associate him or James Coppinger um, or the Liverpool lonely Herbie Kane. But Whiteman, uh, another one who won plenty of awards at the end of the season. I think when you have a player like that who goes, who's a centre midfield player, a box to box midfield player who does a lot of the. Um, less glamorous side of things when he's getting a getting the, the plaudits from fans and players alike it, it shows what a good job he's doing mm. um and he is someone who i think would knit this all together pretty well definitely and uh, and had a big part to play in Doncaster's season so
0: now you've got four in front of them i'm hoping to be wowed by this front four in McGeady on the left wow
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i he couldn't really not have him in there um old
0: twinkle toes
1: yeah, I mean, it, I'd probably try and um, make my team a little less reliant on McGeady getting the ball cutting in and trying to bend it into the top right corner. But um, that is what he does very, very well. And, and his qualities, uh, technical qualities, are just far too good for this level. Um, and I'm pretty sure most League One managers will be hoping that he's no longer a League One player come August. Um, but he was, I think... Uh, in terms of an attacking unit, especially after Josh Major left, Sunderland were very much a one-man team, um, which may have been to their detriment in terms of, of being quite one-dimensional going forward, but you can't deny the impact that McGeady did have. Uh, on the right-hand side, um, Malik Wilkes. This was a difficult one to uh, to choose between. Mm. Um, no real outstanding candidates. Uh, Jamal Lowe is quite clearly one of them. He, I mean, he's the, the headline omission. But it's interesting that... Jamal Lowe is being linked with a £2 million move to Leeds yet you have Malik Wilkes, who I would say has had a more impressive season in league, at League One level given he is playing for a team in Doncaster who had far lower expectations than Pompey and how much would Leeds have to pay for Malik Wilkes, George? well that's exactly my point <laughs> that's it and you've got a guy here who's you know he's a left-footed right player who played on the right very adept at cutting in um, scored was it 14 goals this season hmm um, four years younger than Low, I, I would advise Leeds to maybe just have a quick look at why they want to buy Jamal Lowe and realise they've got someone in their ranks who, who, who is, in my opinion, currently a better player who's got years on his side as well. Um, so he would be on the other side, and then two up tops. So this is a four-four-two. This one <laughs> classic. Um, which it's difficult when I'm, there's I'm, good a, I'm a bit goals concerned. It's that we've difficult
0: got... not to pick two strikers when well, there are two clear quality goal scores. Yeah,
1: and the first one in Lyle Taylor isn't your usual striker as well. Two very different strikers here. I mean, Lyle Taylor's obviously scored a lot of goals, um, but he's he's also very, very good at, at peeling off into space and, and and dropping deep and collecting the ball as well. So um, I would have no doubt that him and his partner, James Collins, would be a fairly good duo. My only worry about Collins is that I, I don't know if the if the service he'd get from McGeady and, and Wilkes would necessarily be to his liking. But, I, but John yet, Mark we know that,
0: that one of... Taylor's sort of skills and strengths one of his calling cards which we saw in the playoff final is that low ball across the box absolutely. to a strike partner so yeah. I'm sure Collins would be just fine with that
1: yeah yeah absolutely so I mean there would be my two strikers two guys who I mean in Nile Taylor um, you've got a talisman for a team who, who won promotion at Wembley and James Collins you've got a guy who, who really stepped up to the plate when, when Luton needed him after Nathan Jones left the club um, and his I think 25 goals in the league this season top goal scorer in the division um, leading his team to the title that is a Seriously good team and, um, and I would fancy them to, to wipe the floor with most other teams in League One.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Here's my alternative team for League One, the NTT 20 pod alternative team. These are players who play outside of the top six in League One. I'm going with Alex Cairns in goal of Fleetwood. Um, I, I have, as many of you know, worked on the Football League Highlight Show for now four seasons. And there are certain players that really stand out when you watch quite that many highlights of Football League football. Alex Cairns is one who consistently stands out and has done over the last few years just for making spectacular saves. And seemingly, just you know, anecdotally, I suppose, off the top of my head, um, really important saves towards the end of games. And there are many times where I've thought to myself... Kens has won points there for Fleetwood, so he's going in goal for me. Uh, my back four is Jason McCarthy of Wickham. Gareth Ainsworth said at the end of the season he can't believe that they have Jason McCarthy. Like, he can't believe he's playing for Wickham in League One, which I thought was really nice and I think speaks to just how good he's been for them this season down the right. Um, he's got a, a spectacular free kick in him as well and just a, a, a very solid fullback. Carl uh, McFadseen is in this team. Uh, and both centre-backs are interesting because McFadzine uh, played for Burton this season and played very, very well at the back for Burton, but is now a Coventry player. They, they snapped him up almost immediately at the end of the season. So it wasn't just me keeping my eye on, on Kyle. Uh, and Coventry have a, a really good partner um, for whoever... Well, they've got a really good centre-back for next season. I was going to say a partner for, for Jordan Willis, but whoever it will be. Um, the other centre-back is Tom Lockyer at Bristol Rovers, And again, this is someone who we know is leaving his club. He is available on a free transfer um, and it seems clear that he'll move up to the championship. He has amassed an amazing amount of appearances for someone who I believe is 24, maybe just 25. He's played for the Welsh national team. I think he's played over 200 times for Bristol Rovers. No one at the club begrudges him his move. I think there's, there's got to be some disappointment that they won't get a fee for him because he's a good enough player to to, to receive a fee. But the contract situation is such that they won't. Uh, and that'll be disappointing. Um, but he... I've spoken to Daryl Clark about him. I've spoken to uh, others about him. And I think what sticks out with Lockyer is, is he doesn't always have to make eye-catching last-ditch tackles because he's always in the right place. And, and positionally and therefore you, th- you would imagine sort of mentally he is uh, playing at a very high level. So someone's gonna get a good defender there. Mark Bola of Blackpool is my left back. And Bola, uh, he signed after being released by Arsenal and he's a real live wire down the left. He is an attacking fullback and I want him to be getting forward as much as possible. Um, uh, really lively, pacey, skillful. Uh, he won Blackpool's player of the season and this is one of those brilliant pickups from them. To persuade someone like him to to move up to Blackpool from Arsenal where they've been as a youth player is really, was such a coup for them. Uh, and to win it, player of the season in his first season for them, uh, what a fantastic signing that's been. Marcus Madison of Peterborough is going to play off the right for me. Um, the sort of Kobe Bryant of League One, which I've mentioned before, just uh, a real a real one-man band at times, but eight goals and 15 assists speak for themselves. And uh, what he gives you from dead ball situations as well, I think is worth having in any team. Um, uh, Liam Kelly is at in the centre of midfield, Coventry. There's definitely a feeling when they got promoted from League Two that D- Doyle out of the centre mids was the sort of the star, was the real standout. But I think it's been accepted over time that actually it's Kelly who, in quite an underrated way, is actually the key a fantastic sort of number six type um, both holding his position and doing all the things you need to do out of possession but also with an eye for a pass as well and, and keeping it fairly simple most of the time but um, the sort of player that you want in your team really especially surrounded by quality he's got Greg Doherty next to him unfortunately Doherty is on loan from Rangers and he'll surely be going back there because he's been fantastic for Shrewsbury this season sort of in the number eight role for them an advanced midfield player but Real box-to-box type, brilliant ball player. Uh, Another player, very good from set pieces, which is always a bit of a theme uh, in my teams. And
1: up front... (laughs) You say that as if you have plenty of teams. I have loads of teams. Yeah, I have many a team, always good at set pieces. That's
0: how I get to sleep at night, It's by making teams (laughs) of things. I think next season we're going to have to do more extra content where it's just teams, left-footers, youngsters, anything. Um, Tom Eves is up front. Look, (laughs) I... I don't mean to be rude but as many of you or those who listen all season will know I I definitely have my doubts about Eves in many games he he doesn't seem to turn up at all Um, but someone's going to pay a lot of money uh, in wages for him this summer he's on a free um, and and 21 goals for a Gillingham team that only just avoided relegation really in, in the last month or two of the season is not to be sniffed at. He's a, He is a, a big fella, a target, and scored some spectacular goals as well. So he's in this team. He scored a goal every 160 minutes, uh, which is only bettered by um, by Kiefer Moore, by James Collins, and by Corley Woodrow. So really impressive seasons for him. And up front with him, it, it could be Ivan Toney, scored 16. It could be Ian Henderson, who scored 20. It could be Freddie Ledapo, who scored 18. But I'm going with Johnson Clark-Harris. He scored 16 goals this season, but it's what he did in the second half of the season, essentially, to keep Bristol Rovers up uh, and basically fulfilling the promise that I've spoken about quite a lot over the last few years when you're his size and you have such a powerful shot uh, and decent mobility as well uh, you are going to be a threat and, and finally he came good in the second half of the season fantastic signing for them so that's my League One alternative team leads us on to League Two George uh, who is in our team of the season for Sky Bet League Two
1: trammere keeper Scott Davis in between the nice. sticks Scott um, Savies Scott Savies yeah <laughs> um uh, what can you say about him they he kept a phenomenal amount phenomenal said too many words this series I think um phenomenal amount of clean sheets uh which was so important to, to tram getting into the playoffs and then of course uh, a star turn um in the in, in the playoff semis uh, and then uh, didn't have uh, much to do um in a game a few chances at Wembley but even so um he uh He's just been a great keeper this season. We made
0: one very good save from Jamil Matt off the post, wasn't it?
1: Yes, that yeah. was a very good save, actually, off off the post. Hence hand, the nickname. Hand, post, other hand. <laughs> yeah. Really nice. Um, and the 1-0 the wins that we've spoken about a lot this season at home uh, have been so important to Tranmere. Um, and, you know, talking about how Sunderland's draws um, ended up costing them, I think, the the ability to... to Keep hold of those one 0 wins and not concede was so important, and Davis played a massive part in that. Um, on the left-hand side of defence is Dan Butler, nice. Peterborough's Dan Butler. I know um, who uh, has just left Newport County. Um, a really, I know you're a huge fan of his, I am so a I had big to fan. put him in there so we didn't have an argument. Thank but, um, you. He's a he's a a solid he's solid defensively, very good going forward with a lovely cultured left foot. Um, and I feel like the striker who I've got on my team, which won't be a surprise to anyone, would, would really profit from his, <laughs> from his crossing ability. Um, and it's going to be exciting to see him develop into a League One player next season. Uh, two centre-backs, um, Michael Boswick, of course, um, at the heart of defence. I saw he got 48% of Lincoln's um, fans player of the season votes. Nice. Which is wow. massive. <laughs> really, that's, that um, is crazy. Especially
0: yeah. with so many good players exactly. in that team.
1: Exactly. The next best was 14%. Um,
0: must have been Bruno
1: that surely. I was I was going to get onto that later. But <laughs> uh but yeah, so I mean a, a guy who's been around the block a, a lot. I think a manager's dream to have someone like that who's um so dominant um in the air, so physical but also you know he's played a lot of football in his career in midfield, so he he is someone who's who's capable on the ball and I think he he embodies um what Lincoln City are all about under Danny Cowley. Um and would probably wear the armband in this team as well. Um, but not the only skipper, of course, in here. Christian Pearce alongside him. Um, Mansfield, I think, conceded the fewest goals in in, in League Two this season. Uh, and he is a guy who I think really kicked on in this campaign. Uh, really important to, to Mansfield. Uh, Mansfield, in all underlying numbers, actually, ratio uh, included, were, were, were the standout team in, in League Two. And it didn't end the way they wanted it to, losing to, to Newport County. Um, in the in the playoffs, but he was a colossus for them and any success that they did have this season was built upon um, him at the back. Right back was tough. There weren't really any um, standout players, so if anyone is listening and, and is livid, um, which I'm sure you all are, that, uh, that I haven't picked someone at right back, let me know, but I've gone for, for Neil Eardley uh, from Lincoln who um, is, is just does a very solid job, to be honest. he's a, He's solid defensively, um he's very adept at putting balls in from deep um and again is is someone who is part of a of a winning machine this season at Lincoln so he gets the nod at right back uh this is another 4231 so two sitting um a little bit worried about um the physicality here um, <laughs> but uh but I couldn't really do have two uh two false 10s I don't think or two false 8s as they call them so two sitting um Reece Brown from Forest Green um what a season he had uh, really, really impressive. Uh, someone who's destined for for, for for higher higher leagues, you have to think. And Forest Green will be desperate to keep hold of him. Um, very, very good on the ball. Uh, just looks really classy. Looks a class above, to be honest, often for Forrest Green. And alongside him, Alex Gilby, who, um, I'd say again, quite quietly, had a really impressive season for MK Dons. was yeah. probably their most important player. Uh, it looked about a year ago like he was going to miss the first few months of the season. Um, and I read today that he came back from a serious injury six months before they expected him to come back uh, when starting the first game of the season. Wow! So to, re- <laughs> to return from injury six months ahead of schedule and then um, play such a crucial role in midfield for a team who ends up getting automatic promotion deserves huge credit. And uh, he, uh, again, he it may have been um, Agard and, and Chuck Sennacher who got the, the plaudits for the MK but but Gilby... I think if you spoke to most MK Don's fans would tell you that he was probably the most important player for them. Um, On the wings, it had to be Bruno Andrade and Danny Meyer. Um, Both of them played most of their football on the left-hand side this season, but I'm shifting Danny Meyer out to the right because I think he'd be okay out there (laughs) Um, because I couldn't really leave either of them out. Two guys who, I mean, Meyer, we've spoken about... When
0: when you complete, like... 75% 75% of your dribbles. I feel like you'd be and, and fine almost anywhere.
1: And like 65 more than anyone else in the league. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think he is... Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up because you, you must, given what's very sadly going on at Bury at the moment, um, it would be a, a, a huge surprise to see if there's any way they can keep him. Well, I know um, that
0: Pete O'Rourke has reported that Ryan Lowe has agreed a deal to become Plymouth manager... Plymouth, obviously, having been relegated, you, you would hope that Mayer might get a shot at, at, at League One level, but if he's enjoyed playing with Low, then you never know.
1: As a fan of a League One team, I'd be very upset if I saw Danny Mayer sign for a League Two team um, because that would mean that we didn't get him. Um, and then Bruno Andrade, he was the one that got 14% for Flinken and then another really, really classy player um, who, again, just was a, was a cut above this level. Um, the same can be said for the attacking midfielder in Jay O'Shea. No way should he have been playing in League Two last season. Um, he came to Bury when they were a League One team and was a massive coup at that stage. And he and he put that into practice last season, um, scoring plenty of goals from that attacking midfield role and just basically bossing it in, in uh, at League Two level. Uh, and then up top, who else um, but 32-goal man, um, James Norwood. Uh, looks like Ipswich is now James Norwood, um, which is a huge shame for Tranmere. but I'm sure they won't begrudge him that move given the huge part he has played in taking him from the National League up to League One. Um, He's a player that I really, really like. And I knew I liked him before seeing him live. He had a game at Wembley that a lot of people thought wasn't very impressive. um, But I was impressed because... Yeah, we
0: really differed. I had three or four people that I spoke to. Maybe because we'd bigged him up so much, these were mostly people who hadn't watched a lot of League Two football this year, say to me, I thought Norwood was really quiet, really disappointing. Didn't feel like that. And you must be careful not to do the whole "we were there" thing. No, no, of but course it didn't not. feel like that. But
1: there, are, there are other ways of, of assessing his his performance. I mean, he had one really ferocious volley that went straight down the keeper's uh, throat. Where if that, you know, it's not his fault. It didn't go a yard either side, and it would have been a a, a real, you know, a really special goal. Um, he got an opposition player sent off um, for some very, very clever play. He won a lot of fouls. He, his work rate was was superb. He might have spent a lot of the game shouting at teammates for not passing the ball in the right areas, but that's not really what we judge him upon as a footballer. Um, he is made for that lone striker role. Um, and I'm pretty sure that with, um, you know, Green Edwards and Alan Judge and John norden playing behind him next season, amongst others, he's not going to be short of service. And, and I think he's going to score plenty next season as well.
0: Lovely. That's our League Two team of the season. And here is an alternative team made up of players who played for teams who didn't reach the playoffs or more, so outside of the top seven. I find it difficult to pick a goalkeeper. There's, there's definitely a few that I consider to be basically on a similar sort of level. That is McKeown at Grimsby. That is uh, Glenn Morris at Crawley. But I'm actually going to go with Christy Pym uh, from Exeter it's a good body of work really over the last few years having come through the youth system there and he's just got a move to Peterborough a bit like Dan Butler and that speaks to his output really over the last few years and this season as well Ex- Exeter were a, a good defensive team and Pim played a, a vital role in that so he's in our alternative team of the season and it's a good time to really share some fantastic news uh, that we're so excited about and uh, yesterday uh, Blades Analytic, Jay, our great friend who we speak about on the podcast a lot and who anyone who wants to know more about the EFL should be following on Twitter. Just the best tw- uh, EFL analyst that we follow, really. Um, he tweeted about how impressed he was about Peterborough's early transfer business in picking up Pim and Butler and a couple of other players as well. Beavers, um, uh, for example and he got into a conversation with Dara McAntony. I had had a couple of beers last night and tweeted Dara to say you should hire Jay because he knows more than anyone uh, about the data side of things but also uh, understands the way the game works as well and today it was announced that uh, Jay and Blades Analytic will be working for Peterborough. He's been hired by Dara McAntony to be part of their recruitment team Uh, and it's just so excited and the Passion with which he works and shares his work with us as well uh, has just been so amazing over the last year. Uh, Jay has a, a proper job as well, an, an important job, and a family as well. So we're just so chuffed for him. Um, and we thank him for all the work that he's done this year that we've been happy to share.
1: You're still yet to hear from Jeremy Cantony about your fee.
0: I haven't been offered a finder's fee as, as yet. As
1: a, you know, you scouted the scout. So surely, just along that line of thinking, you are. Entitled to at least a tenor. <laughs> <laughs> should I have said, Dara, you should hire me on George instead? Yes.
0: I should have done that, shouldn't I? Well, we are available to hire uh, and uh, for, for any and all EFL consultancy, of course. So just send us a DM on Twitter. But no, really chaff for, for Jay for Blades Analytic. Um, we're desperate to do some pod content with him, which we know would be so good. Um, and we just haven't quite been able to, to work out the logistics yet, but we will do. Look, um, we've got Perry and G at right back of Crew. He is just a, a, my, one of my favourite sort of uh, modern... Fullbacks in League Two. He is so solid defensively, but he, once he gets going down the wing, it's very difficult to stop him as well. So we like Perry and G a lot at centre back. Scott Cuthbert, um, an old boy, Scott Cuthbert, really, uh, and signed for Stevenage. Uh, that's a bit harsh, actually. He's only thirty-one. God, that's quite rude, isn't it? I thought I thought <laughs> Cuthbert I was. Older than me. <laughs> I thought he was way older than that. Anyway, Cuthbert, an experienced defender, is what I meant to say, uh, and he signed for Stevenage and was basically ever-present for them, unbelievably solid, a real leader immediately, uh, had a great season. He's at centre-back in this team. Frankie Kent of Colchester is alongside him. Kent is one of many young Colchester players who has played a huge amount of football because Colchester give their young players an opportunity. What that means is uh, he might be ready for a move up the leagues, uh, but we will see. Uh, I think he's had a good season, and I think he's a great centre-back. Chris Hussey, this might be the most sort of, underrated player in all three of my alternative teams Hussey plays for Cheltenham he's a left back he's in the top 10 in league two for assists this season and he's got a really good delivery with that left foot swings in a good set piece but also from open play getting down the left wing Uh, he's another experienced player and I think he's just a really solid um, fullback at this level and outside of the top seven he's the one I've chosen to to represent this team I got five in midfield here this is a, a sort of midfield heavy side Christopher Misalou of Oldham uh, is going to be in a sort of double double pivot of sorts. He is, well, he just gives you a bit of everything, I think, Misalou. He is exceptionally athletic. He's got a great engine. He works very hard. He's good at breaking up play, uh, strong in the tackle. I think he's half decent uh, when it comes to operating with the ball at his feet as well. And he doesn't need to do much uh, in that sense anyway, because he's got Michael Doughty next to him of, of Swindon. There's an interesting question as to whether Michael Doughty is actually Um, uh, the the right sort of fit for a Richie Wellens system at Swindon. We'll be interested to see what it looks like next season. But he was a real bright spot for Swindon all season long. Adds a bit of culture uh, to this team with that wand of a left foot. Strokes home penalties. He scored some really nice goals, a couple of little scoops and dinks. Um, A a quality, quality player. And he won't have to do much running with Missaloo next to him. Uh, The three in front of them were Nicky Law of Exeter. Such a versatile player. He's going to play sort of right wing, I think, here, but he could play as part of a midfield three as well. Um, he is a, a very busy player, always involved, um, very hardworking, good quality on the ball, chips in with goals. I think Nicky Law had a great season. Uh, a couple of, of, uh, of... what's the word? Just a, a flash of quality now. Sammy Smoddix of Colchester. Remains to be seen whether he might head up uh, to a higher level... This season, you wouldn't begrudge him if he did. Um, he just scores goals, doesn't he? From the number ten role, a real good finisher from the edge of the box, finds space uh, and finishes really, really well. He is going to play with Giovanni Brown of Cambridge. If you look on Y Scout at all the sort of smart passing metrics, things like through balls, smart passes, uh, second assists, all that sort of stuff that that indicates that one is a very clever passer uh, and in the final third as well, which is very valuable. Giovanni Brown comes on top of, of, of a lot of those or is very much involved in a lot of those um, and has a lovely left foot as well, can score spectacular goals. And just to finish off, I don't want to finish on a negative note, George, but I'm so underwhelmed with the goal scorer options in League Two outside of the top seven. I'm actually going to pick Jamie Devitt of Carlisle uh, to play false nine because he did play false nine I can't imagine there have been many false nines in League 2 history, but under Stephen Presley, Carlisle tried some very different shapes and formations, and Debit played uh, in a sort of false nine role um, quite well. He scored 11 goals and got 10 assists this season. He's a quality player, Debit, and uh, I like him a lot, so he's going to play up front. I'm afraid that Ilyas Chair just didn't quite break the... didn't. <laughs> Didn't quite break the minutes threshold uh, to be included in this team. So there we go. Um, I'll make sure that we tweet out the teams in full uh, after the release of the podcast. Let us know what you think. Let us know, well, I mean, let us know if you want who should have been in.
1: But only if you're like, just think about it. Like, are you just saying that because you support that team? (laughs) Basically, tell us if it's from a team that you don't support.
0: Tell us if we've picked... (laughs) a player from your team that isn't very good. Yes. We've just mis- We've just misunderstood. I'm looking at you, Neil <laughs> <laughs> Um, Brilliant stuff. Well, thank you so much for listening all season, guys. We have loved covering the EFL to such an extent this year. We made a big connect- commitment, a big connection, I almost said. We made a big commitment at the start of the year to go twice weekly and a couple of tripod weeks in there as well. We've done over 100 podcasts this season and off the back of it, we've had some amazing opportunities um, with the likes of Sky Sports and Quest and TalkSport and The Times and The Guardian and all sorts of things as well. So we're going to have a, a bit of a rest, certainly from, from tweeting, uh, but there'll be plenty of pods to come over the next few weeks. And um, please continue to follow, subscribe, and please share. And we'll talk again soon.